Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a German suplex fanatic. And I am Koji Shanemoto. Welcome to episode 157, Best of the Super Juniors. Two. Two. Second time. It was so good the first time, they are like, hey, we should run that back. That's right. I was going to say dose, but they'll continue, they'll continue to run it back. I mean, but before this, they did have a junior tournament for it's a series called Top of the Super called Juniors. Top of the Super but they did like four or five times. Yeah, yeah. But super best, best of the Super Juniors started last year in uh, 1994. That's correct. Famous tape. We talked about it. Go back, find it. Yep. As we said, this is the second annual Best of Super Juniors. It would run between June 23rd and July 13th of 1995, all across Japan. And we'll talk about each of those places as we get there. The tape that we found consists of footage from the third day, the 13th day, and the final. And the tournament would consist of 10 men, such as Alex Wright. Das Wunderkind. Black Tiger 2. Black Tiger. <laughs> Brian Pillman. Flying Brian. Dean Malenko. Man of a Thousand Holds. El Samurai. El Samurai. Gran Hamada from Mishinoku Pro. I don't know. We don't know anything about him. Koji Kanemoto. Koji saw his name. Norio Hanaga. Ah, I remember him from last year. Shinjiro Otani. Well, I mean, we've seen a lot of Otani over the years. And Wild Pegasus. Benoit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, Pre-dental work. Yes. I love uh, old CB pre-dental work when you just catch that... You know, catch him with like a grimace or whatever, Certainly and there's just grim. that, yeah, there's that missing tooth. It just makes him look even meaner. Yeah. Oh, Canada and your dental programs. <laughs> they have, yeah, do they have a bad dental program? I don't know. I feel like they, have, they, have, <laughs> they definitely have a, a much stronger uh, healthcare system than we do. I mean, you could say that about anywhere, and it'd be stronger than what yeah, we have. I mean, a lot of places for sure. Yeah. But we are in Japan. That doesn't sound like Philly. It, it does not sound like Philly. <laughs> no. I mean... Do I know how to pick food from not Philly? I mean, it's probably it's so easy wild. at this point. It's hard part is finding something from Philly. Mm-hmm. So yes. what deliciousness did you bring us this week? Well, it's the best of the Super Juniors, so I figured, you know, it can't just be one thing. You know, we got to have the best ofs. So I decided we'll have a little, a little assortment. Something a little appetizer-y, something a little entree-y, and something a little beverage-y, because, you know, it's, it's the best of the Super Juniors. The Japanese garbage plate. Garbage plate's a New York thing, I think, right? An upstate New York thing? Maybe it's a Philadelphia thing? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. This isn't garbage plate hour. No. Not that was last hour. week. Uh, <laughs> with Japan, you have lots of varieties of food options, but I went with an old favorite, which is the sushi variety. I went to a place... Here in Oklahoma City, 
called Inaka, uh, which apparently Michael has ordered from before. Oh, uh, that's my... He's got some go-tos. My staple, because it's the closest to the house that's uh, it's of, of good to decent quality. I mean, this isn't like top of the pops. We're in Oklahoma. I mean, it had a 4.8 on Yelp, I think yeah. is what it was, so... Very, yeah. very consistent and well-priced. Yes. I ordered the tuna tataki, which is a seared tuna. I believe it's pepper crusted, just has a very light sear on the outside, and then it's sliced, comes with a little ponzu. And then I got a sushi roll, which is at least named after something that falls into the, uh, the world of wrestling. It is the kabuki roll. Inside it has spicy crab meat some crunchies and some cream cheese and then on the outside it has a little more of that uh, peppered tuna that we had on the appetizer uh, with some avocado a little spicy mayo and then to wash it all down they offered a Japanese soda which is uh, I guess it's a tasty brand is that right? Looks like it. Okay I couldn't tell if that was the brand or if it was just saying that it's tasty it might be better. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was very, very tasty. But it's uh, called Melon Creamy Soda. It's a nice green color. It has a very cream soda flavor to it with not much melon, which I'm happy for because I'm not a fan of artificial melon flavoring. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a smooth. Not, it's not crazy. Yeah, it's more melon in color than it is flavor. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... I like the bottle that it came in, where it looks like it got here. A quick. NOS can, like the. We're not disturbed by the uh, the dasher who door dashed it to us. It's got some good flavor. The soda is pretty damn tasty. So all in all, I'm I'm happy with my best of selection here. So. Oh yeah, the the uh, seared tuna was great. Also, sushi is one of the best things to uh, order to your front door. It's yes. like not pizza because it's like well. It's going to hold well, unless you got like a crazy fried one. Yeah. I mean, those crazy fried ones are good, don't get me wrong, but yeah. they don't hold up in delivery as well. I'm going to take a bite of this I kabuki. Want, yeah. I want my fish still swimming if I'm eating sushi. Yes, please. Mmm. <laughs> just some mm. No actual words, just mmm. Mm. It's pretty tasty. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this show, um, kind of... Sad news. And yeah, it's sad when anybody passes. Exactly. But we don't ever mean it as sad news. We mean to celebrate celebrate the person. But Bob Ross would pass away the week before. Aww. I didn't realize that he died that long ago. Mm-hmm. I was completely shocked because as well when there, I saw this. We know like a handful of years ago when they put a bunch of the old Bob Ross episodes on Netflix, there was like a Bob... Rossessance, mm-hmm. where it's like Bob Ross Chia Pet, Bob Ross Energy Drink, Bob Ross T-shirts, like a whole new generation of people discovered it, and then and then, and then people were reminded, and then people were reminded around. of it in a nostalgic way. Because I remember catching it on like PBS as a kid and being like, "Oh, it's it's that guy." Like I knew his name, but it was just one of those things that would when you're flipping the channels and you stop and you watch it for a few minutes, and yeah. then that's kind of it, and it just kind of sticks in your brain. It was very specific looking guy. With a very specific cadence. My favorite thing about Bob Ross is that he had pet squirrels, and I liked the videos when he was feeding them with <laughs> bottles, and I thought that was cute. Yeah, I didn't know about pet squirrels. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. And um, I watched a few of them. It's very good to fall asleep to. Whenever oh, yeah. they did put it back on Netflix a while ago, I mean, and I got remember. That voice that just a, yeah. takes you right into the, 
happy land. I should probably get closer to the microphone because it might not be able to pick me up yeah. as I'm talking about my happy trees. Was he the real ASMR? He was the original delicious dish. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, like, I can only think... That. It's like I, mental anesthesia. It was like, oh, oh I'm just going to doze off. Molly Shannon had to have taken their inspiration from Bob Ross for their... Uh, they took something from Happy it. trees, um, you know, <laughs> landscapes lakes maybe a, a decrepit uh, house in the background you know you know we're getting here some some birds some clouds motherfucker always made it look so easy too he did i have some friends i've never done it that have done that because you can buy like a box where it's like bob ross in a box and then like you know you watch a video because i mean the whole show was teaching you how to do what he did or whatever yeah. and he does make it look very easy and i'd like to think i'd be like yeah i would nail that but i know that mine would be very abstract yeah just the sound of his paintbrush yeah. tapping against the canvas because well, he did it like basically barely used brushes he mm-hmm. would just use like the a linoleum knife and be like all right here's some tricks <laughs> yep but they these they were sticks and slide mm-hmm. oh bob ross yeah um i mean not to be morbid but he must have passed away from like cancer or something horrendous could have been old could have been old age but you know uh-huh. now he's in the happy cloud in the sky <laughs> <laughs> teaching everybody how to draw. Uh-huh. Swinging in paint. the trees. Mm-hmm. Do they have squirrels in heaven? Well, I don't know. If all dogs go to heaven, they gotta have squirrels to chase. So. Hey, good point. Yeah. Yep. Squirrels and rabbits. <laughs> like, please don't be something sad like Bob Saget. <sighs> what did what happened with him? Wasn't it like hypertension? His heart just nah, he hit his head the night before, and then just went to bed. And... Damn. Died in his sleep. Did he just get drunk and bonk his head or something? No, no clue. Yeah. Could have tripped and fell and, you know, just banged his head on the end table or something like that and shook it off. Well, lymphoma. He was a cigarette smoker for most of his adult life and he actually expected to die young. (laughs) What a. He was 52. That's young. I mean, it is young, but I think he, he was older than I think I thought he was in 95. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that because I don't know how old those, like, cl- those episodes were that I saw as a kid. But it's one of those things like now in your head, like television just looks different now than it used to. Especially like that was a low budget program, like on cable through a to CRT television. You know, the definition wasn't was not incredible. It's kind of hard to put a date on it. Well, enough about the sad passing of. Robert Ross. Yes. Mr. Ross, let's let's talk some Japanese wrestling. Our tape opens with highlights of our competitors in action. And we go straight to our first match. Alex Wright versus Flying Brian Pillman. I know. Did you guys pop for this? I was like, what? Yeah, that was not They're the lineup I was expecting to start the show, for sure. Me neither. <laughs> no? It's like these two, two whites? These two whites? Didn't expect that. I was excited to see Pillman over here. Uh, also, you know, I'm I'm enjoying Alex Wright at the moment in WCW because even if he's green, at least he has wrestling matches, which is less and less common. Yeah. In uh, early Hogan era, WCW. So this match was from June 25th from the Omaya Skating Center in Omaya Satami, Japan with an attendance of 3,000 people. 
Old Roadshow. Yep. They kind of go to the different places to tour. So they'll be in three different places throughout the show. Yeah, they're going to hit like the big spots in each prefecture and have their big blow-off show at the end of the tour. I'd imagine in Tokyo. Or no, it's in Sapporo. Sapporo. So the tape immediately jumps forward as we see Blind Brian lock on a modified butterfly before transitioning into a pin attempt for a two count. Hillman continues the punishment with a headbutt and chops before delivering a front suplex across the top rope to send Wright out to the floor. It's always nice when you're like, oh, I haven't seen Brian Pillman in a while, and then he chops, and you're like, he chops with the best of them. Yep. Alex returns to the ring with a sunset flip for a near fall, but Brian is right back on the attack, setting Wright up on the top rope and attempting a superplex, only for Das Wonderkin to front suplex Pillman to the mat, followed by a missile dropkick for a two count. European uppercut and a spinning heel kick sets up Alex to hit a dropkick that sends Brian out to the floor, where Wright leaps over the ropes with a pescado. The two then start brawling on the floor, with Pillman slamming Alex's head into a guardrail. They head back into the ring, and Wright charges into a knee, followed by Brian flying out of the corner with a bulldog. The two then fight over a waistlock, with Alex getting the advantage, hitting a bridging German suplex for the pin... And, and the, the win. win. Bridging German for the win. It's a good start to this show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, would like to see the whole thing, but it is what it is. I wasn't, was kind of surprised that Alex Wright won. Yeah. But we know that, I mean, Pillman's kind of fallen out of favor with WCW, obviously. Unfortunately, for us. I mean, he's just coming back from injury, so I think he's just been uh, Yeah, I guess so. I thought it was interesting, as a small note, that he was wearing uh, Hollywood blonde trunks. Yeah, I was like, oh, I guess he just hadn't got new trucks. Yeah, or maybe he wrestled the night before and didn't didn't get to wash them. Pillman seems like a guy that might just wash his trunks. We're living them good old days. We then go to our second match: Wild Pegasus versus Sanjiro Otani. This match was also from Omaya, and the last time we saw Otani was at Battle Seven, episode one forty, and Sanjiro extends his hand. Only for Benoit to slap it away before the bell rings. So it seems like these two don't like each other very much. I mean, does the Pegasus like anybody with a name so majestic? How could he be so mean? Otani takes the early advantage as we jump forward into the match with a body slam and a somersault senton for a two count. Matt work between the two as Sanjiro works a head scissors while raking the eyes of Wild Pegasus. Only for Benoit to lift Otani up onto his shoulders for an electric chair drop. While Pegasus then hits a snap suplex for a near fall, continuing with chops and clotheslines in the corner. He tries to charge in again, only for Shinjiro to hit a spinning heel kick, followed by a springboard drop kick to send Benoit out to the floor. Otani follows out with a springboard crossbody, but once back in the ring, Wild Pegasus responds with a powerbomb attempt only for Shinjiro to float over into a sunset flip that Benoit rolls out of and delivers a clothesline, while Pegasus then heads up top, and he comes off with a diving headbutt for a two count. I know, he hit it, he hit it early. He looks to hit a dragon suplex, only for Otani to counter into an attempt of his own, but Benoit makes the ropes to separate them. 
Sinjiro then just drop kicks the back of Wall Pegasus' head, hitting the dragon suplex. But Benoit's foot is hung up on the ropes, so it's only a two count. Otani thinks he has won, but the ref explains what happened. So he tries for another dragon suplex, but Wild Pegasus counters into a German suplex that has Sinjiro out on the ropes. Benoit then looks to hit a dragon suplex, but Otani wiggles free. So Wild Pegasus just muscles him up into a powerbomb for a near fall. Benoit then delivers another powerbomb for the pin and the win. You know what we're going to see a lot of that is absolutely disgusting? Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit's powerbombs. He just, they look, like sometimes you see a powerbomb and you're like, yeah, that's really clean. But his powerbomb legitimately always feels like he's trying to hurt them. It always looks like he's trying to hurt them. And it always looks like it hurts. He just drives them. I always call it like a plant powerbomb. Because he's like planting them into the the ring. And they just... You know, love the the furiosity, which is kind of the Pegasus gimmick. He may be a Pegasus, but the man has horns. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our third match, Black Tiger 2 versus Koji Kanemoto. And this match was also in Omaya. Oh, wow, they're really having a, you know... A, 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 a nice show for the old, those 3,000 people. Yeah. And the last time we saw Kanemoto was at Battle 7, episode 140. Did they tag Otani and Kanemoto? No. No? It, it okay. was uh, Battle 7 was the January 4th show, so literally everyone's on it. Yeah, yeah. No, really I was just thinking, I was like, did these guys tag? I don't know. It's been a while since we've seen them. So we jump forward in this match as well to see Koji climbing the ropes to leap out onto the floor with a crossbody. And then go back in the ring to try for a Piscato. But Black Tiger just sidesteps him, sending Kanemoto crashing to the floor. I was like, I'll just, I'll just stay here and wait. And if you guys don't know who Black Tiger 2 is, it's Eddie Guerrero. So I'll also re- refer to him as that. Yeah. But Eddie runs Koji into a guardrail before body slamming him on the concrete. Before climbing the turnbuckle to leap off with a crossbody of his own. Black Tiger looks to bring Kanemoto in the hard way, but is reverse sending Eddie crashing out to the floor. I mean, the, anytime they do the hard way spot, you're like, hell yeah, suplex him to the floor. And most of the time it doesn't happen, so when it does, it always gets me. It's the, the thing about wrestling. Just tease it. Make it. Tease it and make the big move special. As I say this, we're talking about a Super Juniors matches where it's just insane big moves after insane big move but you know that's still a a high spot is the suplex to the floor even in this you know very technical and uh high flying show yep that's one that always makes me cringe black tiger climbs back up to the apron and slams koji's head into the turnbuckle before climbing to the top rope but kanemoto meets him there to bring him down to the mat with a superplex for a two count the two men then trade waist locks when Koji rolls up Eddie for a near fall. He tries for another suplex, only for Black Tiger to counter into a brain buster. But Kanemoto gets a boot on the ropes. They trade waist locks again with Koji gaining the advantage for a bridging German suplex for a two count. 
before hitting a body slam and a reverse somersault senton. But he looks like he misses him completely. Yeah, he basically lands on the mat or maybe like gets a little bit of his arm, but he gets it with his ass. Like yeah. he kind of kind of a bummer that he missed it, but you know. He does he also sell they kind of sell that he missed it. Kanamoto climbs to the top rope for a moonsault, but Eddie moves, only for Koji to land on his feet and deliver a super kick. I mean, that's what we're all looking for, right? It's always nice. Yeah, it's that that spot that happens once every couple of years where you're like, he got him right on the chin. How did they do that? Kanamoto then sets Black Tiger up on the top rope, hitting a super hurricanrana for a two count. Koji starts to climb the ropes again. Eddie lifts him up onto his shoulders, only to be reversed into a sunset flip, which Black Tiger just drops down onto Kanemoto's shoulders for a near fall. Eddie then goes for a suplex, but Koji floats over. But Black Tiger just hits a low-blow mule kick, allowing him to deliver a brain buster for a two-count. Eddie then hits a splash mountain for a near fall, before setting Kanemoto on the top rope for an avalanche brain buster. For the pin. And, and the, the win. win. That's what that's called, an avalanche. Super brain buster avalanche. Oh, no, I'm talking about the uh, the powerbomb move. Oh, the powerbomb yeah. move was Splash Mountain. Spl- yeah, Splash Mountain. It's called Splash Mountain because yeah. it's basically a razor's... It's a sit-out razor's edge. Yeah, yeah. sit-out razor's edge. I was trying to figure out what it was called, so in my notes it's like razor parentheses powerbomb because I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know that it was called that. I've seen it before, uh, but it's a great-looking move. Yeah. Also... It might be the mask. It might be that uh, he's younger and more into working out. Or when you're younger, it's probably easier to get bigger. But Eddie looks, uh, he's got some big old arms. Yes. Like Eddie's, Eddie looks uh, larger than when I think of Eddie Guerrero. You know what I mean? And he doesn't have, the last few times we've seen him as Black Tiger, he's had the longer hair that's kind of peaked out from the mask, kind of like a lion's mane. Uh-huh. And that's not there now. Yeah. So... You're, you're, yeah. I, I noticed that same thing where it was, was like, like, Ooh, I, like is he yeah. like more swole now or what? And then it was like, maybe it's the hair being gone and it's yeah. just like detracting. So I'm noticing everything else about him instead of just. It's like maybe his, uh, maybe blonde hair. Ring gear is like a little too tight. Maybe he got a little bigger. Maybe it's the hair. But the mustache is still there. He's even, even with the mask on. The mustache. Been in, he's been in Philly eating Philly foods. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, so maybe, yeah, maybe he was. Uh, is that what? Yeah. He's, yeah. Maybe he was really food and I'd like to think he was hanging out there. with the pit bulls and they were hooking him up with some Icopro. Could be that. And they were just getting their pump on. You know. Icopro. That was with um, air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Like you can air quote all you want to, they're yeah. not gonna see it. <laughs> I have a friend who was like doing audio air quotes, so he went Ch-ch-ch. like and I was like, that makes so much sense. Yep. You don't even have to explain well, I mean, yourself. Matt does that. Yeah, he goes... Oh, yeah, that's, that's good, too. It's like everybody gets it. Change your inflection a little bit. You know, make a sound. It's an audio medium. You gotta uh, do something. Audio yeah. air quote, which is my, my new solo podcast. I'm going, full, I'm going Bill Burr. Sort of sound. You're, you're leaving us for your, your I'll do it. I'm just going to do my own. Yeah. It's, you know, it's separate. Yeah. Uh, so look, look up... Digital look up. air quotes with Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's like my... It'll be Tuesday mo- my Tuesday morning podcast. What's the Bill Burr one? It's Monday morning podcast. I, no I don't know. I've never listened to the Bill Burr podcast. I know he has a podcast, but he's the only person on it. 
So it's him just like yelling at the clouds, I guess. He's pretty good at yelling. I mean, I'm not going to lie, that sounds horrible. I mean, that's not for me. That's why I haven't listened to it. I don't really like being yelled at. So we move for- straight to our fourth match. Dean Malenko versus Black Tiger 2. And this match would come from the Iwazawa Sports Center in Iwazawa, Hokkaido, Japan, on July 7th, with an attendance of 2,200 people. So, another road show, another day. We're now, I think it's the 13th day of the tour, so we're getting close to the end. And the match jumps forward to see the two men fighting over a suplex, only for Eddie to hit a brain buster and head up top for a frog splash. But Malenko gets his knees up. Take that. Shouldn't it be the tiger splash? Do tigers splash? I mean, I guess they probably they probably yeah. swim, yeah. But I mean, you know, they make I guess cats always land on their feet. Yeah. So it's true. I guess uh, Eddie never all, did a like frog gimmick, so it is what <laughs> it is. Dean hits a wheelbarrow roll up for a two count, then leaps up and over a charging black tiger, only for the two to fight over a waist lock, ending with Eddie hitting a drop kick to the back of the head, only for Malenko to come right back with a back suplex. Dean heads up top only for Black Tiger to meet him there for a Frankensteiner for a near fall. Eddie then gets Malenko in position for a splash mountain but holds him there in a backbreaker submission instead before dropping him down into a pin attempt which leads the two men doing a sequence of reversals all for two counts. I do like the splash mountain into the stretch across the back into the backslide pin attempt. It's just like, all right, we're thinking on our feet. This is nice. They both make it back to their feet to hit clotheslines for a double KO. But once they are up, Dean delivers a pop-up powerbomb before applying the Texas Cloverleaf, which Black Tiger crawls towards the ropes several times, only to be dragged back to the middle each time. Another thing I love is the, the little crab walk when you got the hold on the legs and Dean does it like the best of them. After a few moments, Black Tiger finally submits. So Dean Malenko is our winner. I know. I was kind of kind of surprised, but that's I what you want to see. Surprised. I was yeah. very surprised yeah. this one. The other thing was like, oh, he didn't tap, but he did shake his head because I was like, was this a ref call or like an actual submission? I mean, I know they're he, friends. Like he, he shook his head. Eddie has no problem with... I imagine these guys don't have an issue with laying down to um, each other. But what the hell do I know? I just know that they're friends, because we all know that these guys are friends. Yeah. But uh, the, the head shake, I rewound for the head shake, where he's like, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's clean. There's no question here that he submitted. Post-match, the two men look to shake hands, but Eddie just pulls Malenko in for a short arm clothesline before leaving the ring. So he gets his heat back. We then go to our fifth match. Wild Pegasus versus El Samurai. And this match would also take place in Iwazawa on July 7th. And the last time we saw El Samurai was also at Battle 7, episode 140. Benoit hits an arm drag to get things started. But we then jump forward in the match to see him send Samurai into a guardrail multiple times. Back in the ring, while Pegasus keeps up the attack with a knee to the gut, chops, and a front suplex onto the ropes. Another jump forward for more Benoit chops before setting El Samurai on the top rope. 
following up with a super back suplex for a two count. While Pegasus looks to go for another one, only for Samurai to counter in the air to land on top for a near fall. El Samurai then takes Benoit to the top rope for a Frankensteiner for a two count, following up with a pile driver attempt, which is reversed into one of his own by Wild Pegasus. And uh, this crowd is hot. It's hot, and they're obviously chanting for Samurai. Low down, dirty gaijin. Get him out of here. He's missing a tooth. He's mean. <laughs> Benoit then goes for the diving headbutt only for Samurai to move out of the way before going for a La Magistrale pin for a near fall. El Samurai then delivers a back suplex for a two count, but then telegraphs the back body drop, allowing Wild Pegasus to pull Samurai over into a backslide for a near fall. Roll up by El Samurai for two, Hurricanrana for a near fall, but Benoit is up first to deliver a bridging German suplex. For a two count as well. I love a bridging German suplex. Me too. I'm a fanatic. It's just so. It's like it's one of those happy places almost. Yeah. While Pegasus then hits a double underhook suplex and makes the cover, only for Samurai to have his foot on the rope. Ah, these guys with their feet on the rope. It's almost like they're wrestling and there's rules. El Samurai sent to the ropes, but he comes back with a sunset flip for a near fall, followed by a DDT for a two count. Samurai then tries for a drop kick, only for Benoit to avoid, allowing him to set El Samurai up on the top rope for a super belly-to-belly suplex for a near fall. While Pegasus continues with another belly-to-belly suplex as we get the two-minute call, he goes for a vertical suplex, only for Samurai to reverse to send Benoit falling out to the floor, following out with a pescado. Back in the ring, El Samurai hits a powerbomb for a two count, but while Pegasus recovers to hit one of his own for a near fall. Benoit then goes for another suplex, only to be countered into a bridging German by Samurai for a two count. Roll up for a near fall by Web Pegasus, followed by the bell ringing as the match has reached its 30-minute time limit. Post-match. The two men continue to stare each other down when Benoit extends his hand, only to try for a cheap shot when El Samurai reaches for it. And the two men start brawling once again as the match fades to black. Yeah, a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a pull apart, but great shit. The match is super hot, crowd super hot. It's like they knew that this should have been a draw and uh, it was better for it. Yep. Uh, is El Samurai... I should know this. Is he a New Japan guy, or is he brought in from... He's a New Japan guy. Okay. Because, yeah. I, like I said, I feel like I should know this, but that would make sense, especially considering the pop and everything. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. He seems to always be there. So we go to our sixth match. Black Tiger 2 versus Wild Pegasus in the semifinals. Of the best of Super Junior Tournament. And you know it's a semifinal, because we're getting full intros to the ring. Ring announcer, music, the whole shebang. Remind, or go ahead, you might be saying it. Well, what were, what were we I was going to say, remind me how this whole tournament works, because Black Tiger lost to Dean Malenko, but now he's facing Wild Pegasus. That's exactly where I was going, <laughs> but I'm glad you asked. So basically, 10-person tournament, they faced 
every single person. So they had they had nine wrestling matches, and they scored two points for a win, one point for a time limit draw, no points for a loss. And the top four scorers moved into the semifinals. You know, and then they had a the semifinals and the finals were on the final day of the tournament. Oh, okay, that's cool. I figured the semifinals would be like one show, and then the finals would be on another big show, but. I mean, I would have loved added to get it to that show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this match would take place the final day of the of the tournament, July 13th at the Nakajima Sports Center in Sapporo, Hakata, Japan, with an attendance of 6,500 people. That's a little better. So they, you know. Super Juniors was kind of the, was the culmination of it, but there was also some... Couple title match, tag team title match, and a heavyweight title match that also headlined this show. We decided not to cover those because we're just talking the Super Juniors. Oh, but they are on this tape that we did watch. I mean, I did watch those matches. There's nothing so important that we need to watch, but there's also nothing bad on it. So, wouldn't tell you not to, but we're talking about the history. Not all of it's specifically important. So... You know how they say a good ref is someone you don't notice? Mm-hmm. Well, this ref for this match is very enthusiastic and just continues to circle the two guys as we get going. Like, I looked to find out who this guy was because I was oh, just yeah. like... He was very energetic. He reminds me of my favorite sumo ref who's the one that's like the loudest. He has the most wrinkly face. He kind of has looks like... A... Tommy Lee Jones. He typically has the most brightly colored. I don't know what the ref outfit is, but it's some old Shinto thing. But yeah, it's like he reminded me of that that ref in sumo, where I'm like, oh, that's my guy. Like I'm a fan of him because he's the only one I re- actually notice. I was just like this guy. I mean, as we go through, we'll see. This ref is gets kind of annoying at times. Bit of a showboat. Is this yeah. the one that you had sent the text out of? If you guys can figure out who yeah, it is, yeah. Because I was know. like looking, okay. <laughs> looking for who he was. I was like, maybe you guys can find something about him. Because I was just like, I kind of want to know who this guy is. Maybe but, he's Red Shoes' uncle. Because sometimes Red Shoes could chill out. I mean, he, he was very much like he, he almost was trying to make the match about himself. It felt like at times, which is like that's not what we want no. in a wrestling match. No, we just need you to call it down the middle. Yeah. So this match gets going, and it's back and forth between the two as they work headlocks and arm locks until Eddie hits an airplane neckbreaker out of a gory special for a two-count, followed by a jackknife powerbomb for a near fall as well. Black Tiger with a pump handle backbreaker and a slingshot senton for a two-count before going back to a headlock, which Benoit fights his way out of, but the two men then fight over a waistlock leading to Eddie delivering a top-rope knee-drop bulldog. I mean, we just did all the moves already. Yep. All of them. I mean, the pump handle backbreaker, it needs to be reclaimed. We need to see it more often. I don't want to see it as a finisher, but I would love to throw on, well, probably not the dog collar match, but some upcoming, you know, wrestling match. I want to see Brian Danielson give... A young AEW kid, a pump handle backbreaker, and it's such a good heel move. I bet Roddy Strong does because he's Uh, like the Messiah of the backbreakers. I bet he's done it. Yeah, bring it on, Roddy. Pump handle. Put the man on TV. 
Make him famous. While Pegasus then comes back with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker for a near fall, followed by a back suplex for a two-count. Snapmare into a head scissors by Benoit, only for Black Tiger to fight his way into a knuckle lock for multiple pin attempts, before attempting a pump splash, which while Pegasus monkey flips Eddie away, before delivering a head scissors takedown. Black Tiger starts to run the ropes and he goes for a crucifix, only for Benoit to shove him away, but after a knee, Eddie runs while Pegasus into a turnbuckle and suplexes him out onto the floor. Black Tiger then springboards off the top rope with a crossbody out onto Benoit, which makes the ref start yelling at them immediately to get back in the ring. He's a stickler. Only for Eddie just to tell him, shut up. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard him or I not. didn't catch that, no. Like All of a sudden I was like, I heard this, shut up. Yeah, and I was like, like, and I'm like, I was like, rewind. I was like, oh, that's Eddie telling me. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey man, chill out. We're trying to have a match here. I didn't catch a shut up, but I corroborated with Matt while I was watching this show. There's some guy in the crowd just like lightly blowing a harmonica from time to time. Yes. And it's so obvious. But he doesn't go crazy with it, but it's just like, I think I'm hearing a harmonica. Better than the air horn. Better than the air horn, for sure. Back in the ring, Black Tiger hits a power slam and heads up top for us. Frog Splash for the pin. And no! Wild Pegasus kicks out. Eddie starts running the ropes when Benoit goes for a monkey flip. Only for Black Tiger to stop and just stomp him in his face. Before going for another suplex out to the floor. Which Wild Pegasus blocks and reverses. But Eddie floats over where the two men fight over a waist lock until it ends with Black Tiger hitting the suplex that takes them both over the ropes to the floor. Benoit makes it back into the ring first, but he runs the ropes and flies out with a tope suicida onto Eddie. Black Tiger's climbing back into the ring, only for Wild Pegasus to start hammering away, but Eddie hits a headbutt and a top rope hurricanrana for a near fall. Back suplex by Black Tiger, before delivering a splash mountain for a two count. Followed by Benoit reversing an Irish whip, hitting a gorilla press gut buster and a power bomb for a near fall. While Pegasus would continue the attack with a bridging dragon suplex for a two count. Followed by sending Eddie to the ropes, only for him to come back with a wheelbarrow victory roll for a near fall. Benoit goes for a power bomb. But Black Tiger floats over and hits a Brain Buster for the pin. And no! Wild Pegasus kicks out again. Eddie sets Benoit up on the top for another Splash Mountain. Only for Wild Pegasus to use the post to float over. But he runs into a boot as he charges in, allowing Black Tiger to hit a Tornado DDT. But Benoit gets a boot on the rope. I mean... Crowd is hot, and they're like, Japanese crowds don't regularly count with the ref. It's not as noticeable or as big mm-hmm. of a thing as it is here in the United States. So when they're counting along with, like, you know, pin attempts, you know, you yeah. know it's hot. You have hooked them like them no other. Out of the hand. Mm-hmm. Eddie sets while Pegasus up on the ropes again, climbing up. Benoit fights back, turning Black Tiger over for an avalanche tombstone pile driver 
for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post match, Jushin Thunder Liger comes into the ring to check on Eddie before the young lions removing from the ring on a stretcher. Lagasan! I mean, the fucking second rope pile driver. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come come on. You gotta you gotta trust somebody to do it to to take that one. There's not many people I trust in my life <sighs> to do a regular pile driver, no. let alone an avalanche pile driver. No, no my god. But we had to do our seventh match. Shinjiro Otani versus Koji Kanemoto in the semifinals of the Best of Super Junior Tournament. Or as I said as I was watching it, that guy and that other guy. Uh, I had no clue who it was. One of them has tape. Yes. This match was also in Sapporo on June 13th. And the two men attack each other right away with Koji hitting a knee to the gut and a shoulder tackle which Otani no-sells. So the two start running the ropes, with Shinjiro missing a drop kick, followed by Kanemoto missing a spinning wheel kick, and then both missing stereo drop kicks. I mean, come on. This is what we live for. And I don't know a whole lot of the backstory, but Kanemoto, is, he's got the tape on his arms and hands. He uh, is the heel. Yeah. And Otani is the fiery baby face, and I imagine... That uh, they've probably had some storyline stuff going on here. Yeah, because it definitely feels like these two guys do not like each other. Yeah, it feels that way. It looks that way. They have incredible chemistry. And obviously the crowd's very into it. Best Super Junior semifinal. I love... The best of friends in real life. Probably. (laughs) I love that the semifinal is... Okay, the the, the two Japanese boys... And the two Gaijin boys. And it's like, all right, I mean, we're doing this right. You're going to get the most amount of chemistry. And then you have the foreign guy and the other guy, even if they're both like technically baby faces, I'm not going to give it away. Then you still have the foreign guy. So he automatically becomes the heel. The two men begin to work the arms, legs, and necks of each other when Koji hits an Indian deathlock before transitioning into a Moodlelock. Kanemoto keeps working the leg until Itani slaps Koji, which gets him all riled up. So Kanemoto lets him up to his feet so the two men can just slap the hell out of each other. Yeah, it's that just a strong style. They go back to trading limb work with Sujiro trying to bend Koji backwards in a single leg crab until Kanemoto can make it to the ropes. They continue to work each other's legs, even grabbing leg and ankle locks at the same time until Otani takes control with a headbutt. I love that. I love when guys have, you know, have each other's limbs and then, you know, do something with whatever free body part they have. It's, it's visceral. It's good. Koji fires back with a stiff kick to the chest and tries to turn Shinjiro over with the Boston crack. But Otani blocks, so Kanemoto just starts to stomp his head. Hell yes. Koji continues the punishment with elbows and kicks until Shinjiro catches a foot and transitions it into a leg lock. Otani sets Kanemoto on the top rope for a superplex, but Koji fights back to slap Shinjiro off to the mat, followed by Kanemoto coming off with a dropkick at the same time as Otani jumping up with a dropkick. That spot we love, but this time, one was on the top rope. Koji then sets Shinjiro on the top rope, 
to hit a Frankensteiner before delivering multiple drop kicks to the head. Kanemoto sends Otani to the corner and charges in, only for Shinjiro to leap out with a spinning heel kick, followed by another drop kick. Otani takes Koji to the top rope to deliver a Frankensteiner of his own, before hitting a springboard drop kick as well that sends Kanemoto out to the floor. So Shinjiro follows out with a springboard crossbody onto Koji. Back in the ring, Otani is sent to a corner where he leaps up to the top rope, flying off with a crossbody, only for Kanemoto to be ready for it. So he leaps up to hit a drop kick, sending Shinjiro out to the floor, followed by leaping over the top rope with a plancha, only for Otani to not catch him. So it looks like Koji goes head first into the concrete. Yeah, it's a rough, rough, rough one. They make their way back in where Kanemoto hits a tombstone pile driver, followed by a moonsault for the pin, and no, Sinjiro kicks out. Damn, they fucking got me. Koji then hits a second rope senton and goes for another moonsault, but Otani's moved and grabs Kanemoto for the bridging dragon suplex for the pin, and, and the win. win. I was got really excited. As we've talked through this one, there's just so much chemistry and fire. That senton, the springboard senton, mm-hmm. it is like a twist. It's like a summer twist senton. <laughs> it's beautiful. We then get Sochi Sabata interviewing Jushin Thunder Liger. And it's obviously in Japanese, so not real sure exactly what they said. Liger is in a Slambery 95 t-shirt that I would kill to own. But, you know, outside of that, it's just Liger, mask on, t-shirt, casual. This is, he's the king of the juniors. So, who will, who better to talk to? Speaking of king of the juniors, I had this note. He wasn't in this tournament. I know, I was surprised. And other than 2000, and in, and in 2000 he was in the G1 instead of in the best of super juniors so he's in a different tournament that year weird he was in the g1 because he's not a heavyweight this is the only year that liger would miss the tournament until 2018 damn so he was injured he was injured okay yeah you know he booked the shit maybe i mean it's good chance in my head he booked the shit i'm hoping he. but uh you know even if he didn't yeah i'm I'm gonna say they're doing a great job he had been out for (laughs) with a i think a heel injury for six or seven months at this point oh wow i mean he's jushin thunder liger junior heavyweight heels are important we then go to our eighth match wild pegasus versus sinjiro otani in the finals of the Best of Super Junior Tournament. And the two men, we got, a, we got a feeling out process with tests of strength and knuckle locks to begin before transitioning into limb work and headlocks shared between the two men. They trade snapmares with Sinjiro trying to follow his up with a spinning heel kick, only for Benoit to duck and try for a powerbomb, which Otani floats over taking Wild Pegasus down with an arm drag, a head scissors, and a drop kick that send Benoit out to the floor. Take, take a powder, Gaijin. Shinjiro then hits a springboard crossbody onto Wild Pegasus before rolling back into the ring, where he climbs to the top rope to, to fly out, but Wild Pegasus moves away to escape. I love that Wild Pegasus is on his feet, and he just like 
takes like three steps to the left and walks off. He's like, I'm good. Fuck, yeah, <laughs> Thanks, fuck you. You took too long. You, you don't got me yet. As Benoit is getting back in the ring, Otani is right on the attack, putting Wa Pegasus into a head scissors. But Benoit maneuvers his way free into a leg lock before Shinjiro makes the ropes. While Pegasus then hits a back suplex and a snap suplex for a two count, then goes to a head scissors of his own. But Otani then maneuvers his way free into an SDF before transitioning into a camel clutch and then a cross arm breaker, only for Benoit to reverse into a camel clutch of his own. Body slammed by Wild Pegasus, rolls Sinjira over into a Boston Crab for a moment, but he loses grip on the legs, allowing Otani to free himself to hit a German suplex. German! Shinjiro then makes an arrogant cover for a two count before hitting a drop kick. He then goes into another cross arm breaker, which Benoit escapes by getting a boot on the ropes. Otani keeps up the attack with a drop kick, but Wild Pegasus fires back with chops to break the momentum, following up with a power bomb for a near fall. Benoit goes for another power bomb, only for Shinjiro to float over into a sunset flip for a two count. While Pegasus then hits a body slam and heads up top for a diving headbutt. But Atani moves, allowing Shinjiro to hit a bridging German suplex. Atani continues with a spinning heel kick, and he goes to send Benoit to the corner. But it's reversed, so Shinjiro flare flips over to the apron, leaping up to the ropes for a springboard hurricanrana for a near fall. Maybe the smoothest flare flip I've ever seen. Maybe. So this should we start calling it the Sinjiro <laughs> No, it's still the Flare Flip. Okay. But, you know, it's just a really smooth one. I also yeah, love really that, like, Benoit's not being, like, a vicious heel. No. But, like, when he's on the outside and about to come into the ring throughout the match, he's, like, yelling at the ref. He's like, back him up, back him up. And it's like, that's all we need here because we know these guys are both great wrestlers and he's the foreign guy. He, yep. doesn't, he, doesn't need, he doesn't need to cheat. He just needs to be a dickhead. But he doesn't need to be, like, you know, a violent dickhead. He just needs to be a competitive dickhead. Otani goes out to the apron again, this time leaping up for a springboard dropkick before delivering the bridging dragon suplex for the pin. And no, Wild Pegasus kicks out. Ah, it's hot. Benoit reverses an Irish whip, catches the returning Shinjiro with a spine buster before going for a jackknife pin for a near fall. While Pegasus then hits a bridging dragon suplex of his own for a two count, setting Otani on the top rope, but Shinjiro fights back, knocking Benoit down to the mat, before flying off the top with a drop kick. Otani heads back up top, only for Wild Pegasus to meet him there, to hit a top rope tombstone pile driver for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. So Wild Pegasus is your best of the Super Junior oh my God. champion. Don't Off do drugs. Tombstone pile drivers like fucking crazy. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Just watch matches like this and get excited. Don't and do then, drugs. Do then take flexes. notes and then have your friend read the notes and then get excited, even more excited about it again. <laughs> also, this is good. Good when good wrestling. When wrestling is good, it's great. But when wrestling is great, it's incredible. 
top rope pile driver. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely disgusting. Callback built up, just like the drop kick spot in the last match. My God. You've all been crippled. My God. Well, I guess you're not the crippler right now. You're the Pegasus. You've been Pegaside. Well, he's technically is the crippler at this point in America because. Well, yeah, in America, but currently in this match, he's Wild Pegasus. So, yeah. Post match, Brian Pillman, Alex Wright, Black Tiger, and Dean Malenko come out to celebrate with Benoit. They're on the like apron, like they both have their their boys in the corner, but they never. Yeah, inter- I mean, I think all the competitors are around the ring yeah, at some they, point. But... Then they kind of pick a corner, but they don't like you know they don't interfere. No, because that would suck. Pegasus is then handed a trophy and a big check because we all love a big check before taking a picture with all of his competitors as the show fades to black. Hmm. So, gentlemen, I ask you. What are your overall thoughts of Best of the Super Juniors 2? It's incredible to watch it twice. I liked it. After <laughs> uh, last week's somewhat snooze fest, this was the little, little bit of excitement that I needed. You Even know when we... Couldn't understand anything that they were saying the entire time, but didn't need to. It, when wrestling, the, the, wrestling, the wrestling speaks. speaks for itself. Yes. The... The... Uh, Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Broccoli florets. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing we always talk one, about one, on one, like one one oh one <laughs> yeah I got I got to speak I got yeah. my joke I'm, yeah, I'm dot dot dash uh-huh. dot dot my brain turned, went binary and all I can think is in one and zeros now but when we watch those ECW shows it's like oh man that match in the middle of the show was really great or it's like oh the first or second match of uh, this WCW show was really good or like oh it was really nice to see you know a Jeff Jarrett match in a show that was like all Savio Vega or something and we're like oh I just really liked the wrestling match it's like well here is two hours of wrestling matches that are better than some of our that are basically all better than some of our favorite things that are in the middle of shows that we sometimes like yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes don't care for sometimes downright hate with the exception of that and this is just like pure wrestling with thought and skill and intelligence and here we have the guy Jin go over and I didn't necessarily expect that this is actually Benoit's second he won one of the top of the Super Juniors tournaments as well I thought he had won something so he he actually he's established in Japan he's the only guy Jin to win two of these kind of tournaments until Finn Balor does it in oh, the wow. early 2010s. Wow. Um, high praise. Also, some of these, we didn't get every single match, obviously. Some of these are cut, but we have all three of the... The semifinal and the, the final are all full matches. Full matches. We got three full matches. And of the three full matches, I have a hard time picking a favorite, but I, I think... I literally keep going back and forth on which ones. But I'm, I'm going to go with my favorite in my heart. The one that I am like, is that my favorite? It's like, yeah, it's my favorite. Koji Otani. Koji Kanemoto and Shinjiro Otani is my favorite match on this show. So literally, I finished watching the Black Tiger while Pegasus match. And then I started Otani and Koji. And I texted you guys. I was like, I just watched a shortlist match. Followed by a match that... Might be one of my favorites. that That has two guys just... Beating the shit out of each other. It's an energy thing. And then I finished that match, and I was just like, 
What are they going to do? Okay, which match do I like better? <laughs> and then I got to the final, and I went, fuck. I really don't know which match I liked best I mean, out of they, these three matches. They're all, obviously, junior style. They're all, obviously, incredible uh, talents and competitors. But all three of the matches are different enough in the same style. We're still seeing the German suplexes. We're still seeing lots of... To the tops, we're still seeing lots of ponchas and suicidas and, uh, you know, but the Kanemoto Otani is the one that has the most, like, visceral energy and the one that feels most like a fight. And it feels the least choreographed. It just feels the most, like, it's the one where it, it feels like feels like watching a fight and uh yeah but i mean you know i I would never argue that the other ones couldn't be somebody else's favorite because they're that good on that same line all of them are really good but kind of what going along with what you were saying that one i think stands out to me more because i didn't know either guy in the match so the only thing that held my attention was the wrestling it wasn't that it's chris benoit and eddie guerrero as different characters or Chris Benoit being somebody that I knew in the final. It was two guys that I didn't know a fucking thing about other than... Yeah, and they, they were, were doing... The together. They were doing... And they, like, ca- and they kept your attention. Yes. Well, they were doing elite-style wrestling. Yeah. Like, those other guys were too, but you see Benoit and you see Eddie, and, like, you think about the things that you've seen those guys do after that, and, you know, all, and this is one of these things, like, we've seen these guys on some of these shows we've covered, but we're not intimately familiar with them in mm-hmm. the same way so you watch it and you're like well fuck i understand why everybody's losing it yep i mean i think what we're basically all saying is if you can find this tape do so watch it watch it twice watch it twice i, um, I mean i'm I also, seriously about to watch this this tape might also be the last time we see some of these guys in japan as they start moving on to bigger and better things in America. So I mean, they don't have to go to Japan quite as some often. Some of them maybe, go to places that don't like to participate in anything Japanese. Maybe bigger, but better. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. For them, so for them better. Absolutely. You're, in your, you're at home. A few more pennies in the pocket. So. More, yeah. Bigger paycheck. You can see your family. You know, it totally makes sense. Never mad at a wrestler for doing the more intelligent thing. But it's a bummer when when they go from one place where they have matches like this to other places where they don't quite get the time, reverence, or appreciation. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Uh, that this tape exists. I mean, yeah. The, obviously, the, the last move of the night. Could not have been a better last move of the night. Um, I don't think. I think that the tap out was surprising. Like, there's so many the good tap, things. The tap out was very surprising because I, I mean, I already knew who was in the semifinals and everything. Yeah. And so I'm like sitting there watching along, and I'm like, and all of a sudden, Dean Malenko taps out Black Tiger. I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, knowing like Shane, you were probably confused a little bit because mm-hmm. not knowing that it was a round robin. Tournament, yeah. Like I knew that, so I knew it. it's just one loss on an, on the road to the 
to the end. Yeah, but... I just didn't know the points at the time or whatever, so I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, all right. And yeah, because I wasn't even thinking about the round robin of it while I was watching it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's a round robin, so we'll get to the point situation. The, uh, the last three matches were great. Uh, dropkick callback. I, the dropkick callback. I love the airplane neckbreaker out of the gory special. Like I was just like, like I saw the move and I had to rewatch it like three or four times. And I was just like, what do I call this? I was like, it was something I'd never seen before. So I was just like, there's so many top uh, rope tombstone. So many good moves. Uh, and the top rope tombstone is like, well. Yeah, the second rope one. Yeah. And then the third rope one is just, like, insane. Absolutely insane. And there's so many great pin attempts, like yeah. the wheelbarrow pin attempts, and, like, some of... It's, it like, beautiful pin attempts. And the reason that the Otani Kanemoto kind of puts it over for me is, like, as my favorite is... There's lots of really great mat wrestling on here. I love the, like... There's some stuff where, you know, Wild Pegasus is, like, holding onto his arm and arm bars. And they look, you know, legit. It doesn't look... Like, the mat wrestling isn't sloppy in a... Some of the older Japanese stuff, some of the mat wrestling is, like, hard to tell what's even going on. But all of this stuff is, like, clean, but still believable. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody's, you know, on, on 11 with... Their energy with their selling, with the intelligence of like the way their bodies are wrapped up with each other, which is hard to do, which makes it even more impressive when they are in like this flow state of selling, which is what selling is is acting, yeah. acting, and then also doing this quote unquote uh, fake fight. I hate to use that word, but. It's not fake. It's not fake. It's predetermined. It's predetermined. I agree. I I can't move forward until I mention the Eddie shut up. I know you guys didn't. You guys mentioned it, but it was just like that moment. Like, it was a great moment. Yeah, because that that ref was a butthole. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that until you said it again. How about most disappointing? It's kind of disappointing that Liger wasn't here, but in hindsight, we didn't need Liger, which is a... Huge compliment Mm -hmm. to every single person that was in this tournament. At least everybody that was in this tournament as far as we saw. We didn't see Ogano's match. You know, there's a couple of these guys we didn't see wrestle. But, like, you know, it starts with Alex Wright and Pillman. And that's a great thing. That's a great match. And it just continuously gets better. I feel like the consistency on Super Juniors 2 is higher than the consistency on Super Junior 1. Yeah. As far as the matches go, granted some of these are cut, but I feel like that there's a higher rate of, of I mean, consistency all, all the, in the matches. All the matches that were cut were on basically their television show, so obviously they don't have the time on a television show to show all the matches because... It's usually like an hour-long show, a weekly show, that they just combine everything into one tape to release out into the public, basically. Another funny thing is that the ones that do, you see them in the ring, and then they might like lock up or whatever, and then it'll cut. Whenever they cut, it's like 90% of the time somebody getting thrown into the steel on the floor, which is still a New Japan staple. Like Matt has said... Once they get through, once I watch the match, literally, and sometimes you can, I can 
you can if you start a New Japan match, you can fast forward until the moment after they go out. Because literally every match, they lock up, and then at some point they go out to the floor. Someone gets tossed into the steel. They get tossed into the steel. They get tossed into the steel, and then they come back into the ring. And if you you can fast forward to that point, and at that point forward, you can watch a really good match. It's a standard. It's a staple. It is Japan. It's to this day. Like there's nothing legitimately wrong with to this it. day. The stuff so before cut, that's it, fine. You can cut five minutes off of every match. Yeah. watching that. Honestly, like uh, there's in, unless it's a match that like you know unless it's Okada Naito or like unless I mean, it's like unless it's like a big match. Yeah, like if it's Sonata versus like um, like it's a B, Goto. If it's a B show. Yeah, like, literally just fast yeah. forward. Sonata to that versus point. Goto. Yeah. You can get to that point and then be like, all right, well now I'll find out if the match is good because I know that's when the bell really rings. Yeah. Exactly. And it's funny to, that I noticed that because Matt I said it too. Yeah, Matt pointed it out to me quite a while ago, and I was like, "You're right." And then watching this show all the way back in '95, and noticing that in the matches that are cut, and even the matches that are full, yeah. where I'm like, "Yeah, the matches that are full here are have higher stakes." So the before is a little bit more intense, intense and like has a you know, but like it's still. It's it's funny how it's how ingrained in the style it is. The most disappointing points for me, one, obviously the ref in the one match, like I noticed him but I don't think he bothered me as he, much he as you. Bothered the shit out of me at least the first like <laughs> five until, minutes until of the match. The I mean once the match got going then it wasn't that big of a deal, but Because you couldn't focus on him, yeah. He wasn't doing anything. But I also Probably the biggest one is if you're going to put a cut down version of a 30 minute time limit draw, like do a little bit better of a job of making sure that we understand that there has been like time. a lot of time passed over. I mean, I did notice it because I heard the call over, but that's probably from watching New Japan, because they always do the calls yeah. for the time. So I noticed it, and I was like, oh, this might go to a draw. And then I, mean, it I think did. the first one I noticed was the two-minute call. I, yeah, I, no, there was, was one yeah. earlier that I missed it. but Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think... The one I ca- caught was probably the two-minute as well. But like I didn't catch one at like a ten-minute call or something like that. Yeah, and I think that that would have helped me out a little bit. Yeah. Just in that match, because I'm, I'm sure that match was excellent. Because I mean, Sam- El Samurai is yeah. really good. And obviously, we love Benoit. So, and we put over the finish. Yeah, we, we were like, "Hey, like that was really that was really great and surprising." But we also did rewind to make sure we yeah. caught it or whatever. How about you, Shane? Anything disappointing? I honestly would have liked more matches, but you know, it is what it is. It was a tour. I mean, they didn't tape it all. Technically, I think this is the most matches we've gotten on a Japanese show. Yeah, in quite some time. So. Other than like our January fourth show, obviously. yeah, yeah, but like yeah, the ones where they where cut it's just them, cut them up stuff. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't have too much negative about the show at all. You know, if, there's not if a lot anything, there to just be disappointed. About. So if I want to think it's just me being yeah. greedy and wanting to say I would have liked more Flying Brian. Yeah, just because you haven't had any of him in a while. The other thing is like if you like wrestling, if you like modern wrestling, yeah, you should watch the show because. This looks like a lot of modern wrestling stuff. And sometimes I get upset when it's like, oh, you're only doing, like, everybody's doing big moves and kicking out. And 
then I watch this and I love it. So I'm like, well, what is my problem? And I think it might be that this is a tournament and the other issue might be that the junior thing, even though like, it's like, well, they're juniors. So this is like that style. But when you do it in a like heavyweight match, it's like, oh, well, you might be doing too much. I don't know. It's a thing I've been grappling with myself. So, you know, just putting a, putting a thought out there that I'm not completely, that I haven't completely worked through. But I noticed that in this where I was like, why, yeah, why am I complaining about one thing and then loving it 25 years later? Like, what's the disconnect? Yeah. How about best performer of the night? That's a toughie. I mean, Peggy. All of them. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, it's, all, it's like the guys you saw there, the first match. There's not a match that disappoints yeah. at all. Oh. I mean, there may be a, like, like literally, my two complaints were a referee who once the, who once the match <laughs> got going wasn't a big deal. Yeah, and there was the one missed the spot. Had more time. Yeah, there was oh, like no. the one missed spot, which is crazy that in all the things they did, there was like one noticeably missed spot yeah. with like the uh, was it like a senton leg drop or something? Yeah, and. It's like okay, well, these guys do so much, and they didn't sell. He didn't sell. No, he, got he didn't sell on. it at all. And like so. so, like it's fine. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you don't sell the mistake. So, for default purposes, it would be probably Pegasus and Otani, but Kanemoto's like, like uh, gritty heel stuff kind of just puts him right up there with me, even though we didn't see as much of him. Absolutely. If I have to pick one. It's funny that it's harder to talk about a good show sometimes. It is. Than it is a bad show. Unless the show is... Unless, like, if the show's, like, special bad or, like, really stupid. But sometimes if it's just, like, mediocre bad. Like the last ECW show where it was like, oh, well, I guess it was fine. Like, that's the last... That's, like, the least interesting thing to say. But here we're like, no, this is incredible. You should watch it twice. Uh, It's like, well, what else do I tell you to do? (laughs) Like, what else do I say about it? Yeah. It was good. Everybody here was like, like young, healthy, and like firing, like above, above their, their. They've all been tapped on the shoulder, and they all completely delivered. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can't pick a favorite. I'm not trying either. So yeah, yeah me neither. <laughs> like I, I'm gonna give it to the um, the winner. I mean Pegasus, maybe Pegasus just for the. Top rope pile driver. The and audience. The audience was great. The audience was great. Yeah. That's Japanese crowd, so yeah. Yeah. they're always great if they can yell and scream. Yeah, I mean, you know, ready for COVID to be over so uh, we can get rid of these clap crowds. Anything surprising? I mean, I was surprised that there were so many Americans yeah. on the show. I was as well. I was surprised about Liger, but not in a disappointed way. And I was surprised that Alex Wright beat. Pillman, but in hindsight, after it happened, it made sense because he was the new guy that they've been putting over as kind of the new Pillman slash Zinc slash Regal, you know, that mm-hmm. style of light heavyweight WCW guy. He's been getting a lot of spots on the shows. His matches have been basically some of the best on the shows, even though he's green, but he worked really well with Pillman here. Like he, you know, like you'd assume he would. We were showing Waltman. Why could he not be in this? I mean, I would love to see 
Wallman here because we've only seen a little bit of him as one, two, three kid, but it would be very interesting because <laughs> he's a wild man. I'm going to add a category this week, Uh-oh. and we're going to... Quick response. Okay. What was your favorite match? I, mean, I, mean, I already told you. Otani, Kanemoto. Is that your favorite one as well? No. Okay. Well, that's the one that's going to add to the short list. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm excited. Uh, like I said, those three matches, last three, so good. But that one Though has I will say, the extra special sauce. I will say, as we were going over it today, mm-hmm. doing this, I think the third one crept up a little bit more for me. The final? The final. Yeah. I was like, oh, these near falls. It, like, it was, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I legit, the crowd's so hot. Like, I'm legitimately probably going to rewatch those three matches very soon. I still have them on my TV ready to go. Yep. Still plugged in. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Tatsumi Fujinami had just won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship when Big Van Vader would make his challenge known for January 17, 1991 at New Year Dash in Yokohama, Japan. The two men would battle with stiff shots back and forth when Tatsumi would hit a back suplex and go for the Scorpion Deathlock, only for Vader to make it to the ropes. They would brawl their way around ringside before making their way back into the ring, where Big Van Vader would hit a splash. He would attempt a suplex, but Fujinama would float over and deliver multiple forearms and an insiguri to send them back out to the floor. Vader would be tossed into the ring post, hitting his face and busting him open from his eyeball. Tatsumi would target the wound, with the ref even calling a doctor in to check on Big Van Vader. But he would shove the doctor away. Fujinami would then go for an octopus hold, but the size of Vader causes him to fall. So he goes for a sunset flip, which Big Van Vader just sits down on his shoulders and followed by a splash in the middle of the ring for a near fall. Tatsumi would respond with a small package for a two count when Vader would deliver a lariat for the pin to become the IWGP heavyweight champion for the third time. Big Van Vader would remain champion for the next few months, only for a rematch to take place with his longtime rival. Is this the match where Vader popped his eye back into his socket? No, no that one was against was Stan, Stan Hansen. Hansen. Oh, okay. That was before I this? I said Stan Lane, and he's yeah. like, nope, that's okay. not right. All right, so the eyeball thing, it's like, that's a... I guess it's a Vader a, gimmick a call, thing. A callback. Maybe. Yeah, he just started bleeding from from that area. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. So he's actually, yeah, he's actually bleeding from it. Cool. I was just curious. I was like, I know about the eyeball story. I didn't know who it was from, but it makes sense. It was Stan Hansen, a man that uh, hits as hard or potentially harder than Van Vader. He just accidentally <laughs> poked him in his eye. <laughs> he's got strong fingers, man. Texas fingers. That's right. Next week. Heat Wave 95. We're going riding on the Heat Wave. Wait, that's not the right song. <laughs> I mean, you know, we retired the other one. I almost did it. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going back to that one. No. It's hard not to. <laughs> you can <laughs> see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we'll have to think of another Philly song. The streets of Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. 
the Springsteen song. Yeah, like your favorite. I love Springsteen. I oh, hate Springsteen. what's the other song from that movie that was an original song? Is it from which? Movie? From Philadelphia. There's another original song in it. Yeah, there's two original See songs. Yeah, brotherly love. <laughs> the Neil Young thing. Yeah, the Neil Young yeah. one. The Neil Young one might be better than the it's Bruce Springsteen one. It's called Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. I mean. Well, if it sounds anything like what Shane just did, I don't know. If well, I mean, he's, I mean, I mean, Neil, it's Neil Young. Neil so Young has a voice that is lovable, but not necessarily great. I can't yeah, Neil Young. Yeah, I mean, you just Terry Funked. You just Terry Funked your way yeah, into you a Neil Young. Terry yeah, worked yeah. yourself into a sheep, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Philadelphia, a uh, great movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I own the soundtrack, honestly, because yeah. there's the opera scene that he plays in there that they have on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, this the scene uh, where... That made me think I could like opera. Yeah. Like, I... Well, the scene after the party where Tom Hanks and... Um, it's Denzel or Wesley? Denzel. And Denzel, and, they, uh, and he like dances with him. Oh, my God. Incredible scene. Mm-hmm. What a good movie. Anyway... I can guarantee that those Cretans at the, at the ECW <laughs> arena uh, probably aren't fans of the movie Philadelphia. But hey, probably they not. just want—they just want blood. That's all they want, they and, just, and they, flair. They just want blood. I mean, we all want flair. <laughs> like what are the songs? song was called Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah the streets of Philadelphia. You said City of Brotherly Love. So I knew you guys think it was. Yeah. it was called that. No, both good songs. I remember the soundtrack or the soundtrack, the chorus of it, and yeah, it's basically him just kind of. Holding a note, whispering, Philadelphia. <laughs> They're both great songs. That's such a weird soundtrack. Great movie. Uh-huh. I don't know the soundtrack, but I know... Sade, Spin uh, Doctors. Ooh. Sade and the Spin Young, Doctors. What a weird Pete, combo. Peter Gabriel yeah, and that Bruce is... Springsteen. Like, what an yeah. eclectic yeah. group of... I mean, obviously, Spin Doctors are I like the, some of the them. least good. Sade. I don't trust somebody that's not a fan of Sade. Oh, yeah. Shade. Shade. There was a girl in high school. Streets of Philadelphia was actually the second song Springsteen wrote for the movie. Oh. The first one was called Tunnel of Love. Oh, that's one of his records from that same time period. He must have saved it and used it for that album. There's a girl I went to high school with, and her name was uh, Shade. And, uh, but they spelled it a little different, but her parents were just like Sade fans, which is weird because this girl, Airhead, not to be rude, but she was... Just kind of a space cadet, so it's just kind of funny that like her parents named her off of this like really cool lady uh, that made really cool music with a really cool band. It really was like cool voice, yeah, smooth, really like cool big earrings. Yeah. yeah, it was like R and B for uh, like people that ate sushi mm-hmm. in 1982, and then like their their daughter was kind of an airhead. Funny combo. Music from this week's show <laughs> is "The Score" by Emerson, Lake, and Powell, and. Chris Benoit won our main event, so we play his theme music, Jump, the DJ Power Mix by Eskimo. All right. I was wondering what his theme song was, because, like, this is generic as hell. Did the network get in here and change the music? Uh, Probably. (laughs) It was was obviously a tape rip. Van Halen does not want... Van Halen wants their money. It didn't even have Van Halen vibes. I couldn't even have noticed it as Jump. But maybe it's a different Jump. David Lee Roth will take any money he can get, damn it. (laughs) He didn't write that song. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate, review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. As Michael says, five stars or no stars. That's right. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, as Shane always says, send me some goddamn recipes. Yeah, we're going. Where are we going next? Oh yeah, we're going to Philly. So if my box of snacks does not show up. 
It still hasn't shown up. That, that's a YouTube song. Sorry. What is it? Uh, the, you said the streets. <laughs> no name. It has like, oops. Yeah, Yeah. Ugh. You and don't, don't. Springsteen. Hey, don't Ugh. Oh, give me all the David Lee Roth. You don't like Springsteen or U2? I despise U2. favorite band is U2. I'm a huge Springsteen I, guy. Uh, you made fun of me, Leo. Well, I grew up in Nebraska. Last week was the three-year anniversary. Born in the USA. This might be Shane Blaster. <laughs> okay. And then you said you grew up in Nebraska, one of the greatest Springsteen albums. Again, be from Nebraska and have that be what <laughs> everybody associates you with. Yeah. The guy that's never been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've but been to Nebraska. But no. you can do any of those things and send them to our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. German suplex the rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Latest.